Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's politics with Amy Walter from The Takeaway, and it's been a couple of weeks since we popped into your podcast feed with something new, so we thought we'd give you something a little extra today. You're welcome. There was a lot of news this week, so it's easy to miss some stuff. Earlier this week, Facebook doubled down on their policy of allowing all political ads, even those that contain lies or falsehoods, to be run on their site. I wanted to understand what this and the broader digital landscape means for 2020, so I sat down with a couple digital strategists, one Republican and one Democrat. After 2012, the Obama campaign boasted of its success in harnessing the power of social media to target and turn out some of its hardest-to-reach supporters, especially younger, transient voters. Post-election, Obama campaign digital strategists became political celebrities. They got laudatory profiles in the political press. They started their own consulting businesses that promised to deliver this newfound technological innovation to Democrats up and down the ballot. Things have changed since 2012. First, President Trump's social media strategy outpaced the Democrats in 2016. It was Republicans, not Democrats, who were innovating the social media and digital space. Then, of course, came reports of Russian hacking, which put Facebook under scrutiny, and that love affair that Democrats had with tech giants like Facebook, Google, and Twitter soured. In response to the criticism of fake news and foreign hacking, some tech platforms, like Twitter, decided to ban all political ads. But Facebook, even under great pressure, announced earlier this week they will continue to run political ads, even ones that include false claims. This week, I wanted to see how Democrats and Republicans see the role platforms like Facebook will play in the next presidential election. So, on the Republican side, I sat down with Patrick Ruffini, a political strategist and co-founder of Echelon Insights. So the idea that, you know, the Russians came in, used Facebook, and swung the election um, is pretty false, but it's still nonetheless fairly troubling. And I think that that has originated a slew of new compliance measures by the social media platforms, by Facebook voluntarily sort of disclosing every single political ad and making advertisers provide ID and, uh, you know, may really jump through hoops to prove, you know, that they are who they say they are when they run ads, because they very clearly failed to do that in 2016. And you had foreign actors buying advertising, targeting American voters. And it's also why, you know, a lot of platforms are deciding economically it is not worth it. Twitter has a fraction of the political advertising that Facebook does. They do not want the scrutiny that is being applied to a Facebook right now. Do you think that Facebook is doing enough to prevent, to your point, a rerun of 2016, these foreign actors or nefarious actors coming in and influencing the election in some way or another. You could say Facebook was to blame because, um, you know, they allowed Russians to buy ads, right? I mean, you could certainly say they've accepted a lot of blame. They've changed a lot of what they've done. They've instituted new protections. But I think we have to also look in the mirror here. I think Facebook itself is no more and no less than a mirror on society at large, right? And to the extent that you have people who are in the electorate who are extremely partisan, who are just inclined to believe kind of the worst things about political opponents, 
you know, should we blame Facebook? It's kind of this unfiltered platform for people to kind of share the information they want. And we're quickly realizing, you know, five, 10 years ago, we thought, well, this is social media has this democratizing influence. And we've learned there's a dark side. And yet the answer to solving this seems to be focused almost exclusively on Facebook either has to ban all political ads or fact check Mm -hmm. political ads. To me, especially listening to you, it seems like that's really not getting at the heart of the challenge of these social media platforms. Ads are just the tip of the iceberg, right? There's a concern, certainly, that, well, wait a second, what if the information coming from political candidates is not necessarily much more factual than what the kind that's coming from these nefarious actors? There's a Democratic strategist, digital strategist, Tara McGowan, who wrote a piece recently And Medium, where she said a blanket political advertising ban on Facebook would have disastrous consequences for Democrats and my friends on the left should reconsider advocating for such a move. Can you address that and whether it would be the same for Republicans as well? I think there is universal bipartisan agreement in terms of of the digital strategists and the political strategists on both sides of the aisle. And let's remember, let's remember the fact like what is most political advertising on Facebook used for? It is used to raise money for campaigns. Um, We're actually in this filter bubble that we're in where, you know, essentially there's not a lot of discourse between left and right happening on Facebook. And the kind that is isn't maybe the most constructive. But the vast majority of political ads online and the vast majority of political ads on Facebook, Michael Bloomberg accepted, are to raise money for candidates. That is what Donald Trump does well, and that is what all the Democratic candidates are doing. So these ads are a lifeblood for these politicians. I think something like $400 million was spent on Facebook in the last election cycle. And, uh, you know, certainly in the grand scheme of Facebook revenue, that is a drop in the bucket. Clearly not worth it from a PR standpoint. So why do you think he doesn't just say, you know what, like Twitter did, let's just let's just not do this? Let's just I think have Facebook that, not engage at all. I think that uh, it's part of maintaining a good relationship with Washington, D.C., mm. if you want to know the answer to it, because these politicians may rail against Facebook. But at the end of the day, Congress needs Facebook to raise money. And it is a tool uh, in some ways to you know keep those politicians close. And I think that, that there is always some sort of interest mm. in that process. I think there would be an absolute outcry. And we're starting to see it a little bit from the left, from politicos, from elected officials in their capacity as candidates, if they no longer had this way of raising money from supporters. How effectively do you think the Trump campaign is using platforms like Facebook to find and target their voters? There's a lot of discussion about the fact that the campaign is looking for sort of Trump-type voters, right? the model of what a Trump voter would be in these key battleground states, and Facebook helps to find them, right? People that aren't necessarily in the traditional political ecosystem, they can find through Facebook. Is your sense that they're doing that effectively? I think absolutely. I mean, I think when you're an incumbent campaign, life is obviously a little bit easier, right? You don't have to worry very much, at least, about primary challenges. You don't have to worry very much. And you can, um, if you know that I, I spend a dollar on Facebook and I get $2 back or $3 back in donations and I get my message out mm-hmm. to 
my base that that is something that um, you know I think it's been acknowledged that they do very well. You're seeing efforts on the left specifically to catch up that are targeting Donald Trump and not just to get support in the Democratic primaries. Patrick Graffini, thank you so much for coming and helping us understand all this. Thank you. Following my conversation with Patrick Graffini, I sat down with Tara McGowan, the CEO and founder of Acronym. Acronym is a digital nonprofit seeking to change the way Democrats approach digital ad spending in order to challenge Trump in key battleground states. After Democrats really paved the way for integrating digital and social media into campaigns, especially in the Obama, both Obama campaigns in 2008 and 2012, Democrats did fall behind Republicans, which can often happen. Usually uh, innovation is born out of necessity. Um, And uh, Republicans certainly knew that uh, Democrats had outplayed them in 2008 and 2012. And so they invested pretty heavily. And I would say, in addition to that, uh, Trump was an outlier in the sense that he didn't have a clear path at all when he was building his campaign in 2015 and 2016. And um, and he really did empower folks to identify who his supporters could be online and in particular on Facebook. And so they doubled down and invested more than we had really ever seen a campaign invest in online outreach. And without a lot of the constraints that uh, campaigns of the past and still unfortunately today some campaigns pose around digital spending. Um, So I would say that there were constraints and they definitely outspent Democrats. Um, But also there was a cultural difference, Um, just a willingness to experiment more and invest more in maybe less proven tactics and modes of communication and channels. And so I started Acronym in large part to be able to create a space for um, non- profit, mission-driven digital communications and experimentation to really to help more Democrats win elections. So let's go to the two big behemoths in the tech world, Google and Facebook. A lot of liberals very upset by what they saw as, especially Facebook's, inability to keep out nefarious actors in the 2016 election, also took aim at at Google as well. You have been very vocal, though, in telling Democrats that limiting advertising for political purposes on either Google recently limited ad targeting is is actually really bad for Democrats. Can you talk about that? Platforms that have fundamentally changed the media ecosystem, most predominantly Facebook and Google, they are largely unregulated. <laughs> and that um, that is the case across the board for pretty much everything they do. And these are unprecedented platforms with an enormous amount of power and an enormous amount of data about Americans and people across the world, frankly. And so We all at Acronym believe strongly in the need for regulation of these platforms and their data policies and their advertising policies. That said, um, they have also created a really powerful ability for campaigns of all sizes, including first-time candidates and 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 challenger campaigns, to build support and and fuel their campaigns with small-dollar donations by making it really easy for voters to 
learn about these candidates and campaigns and donate to them using these platforms. Small dollar donations coming into campaigns through Facebook, where the majority of small dollar donations used to come through email. And that's a big transition, and that makes Facebook even more powerful to campaigns. So why do you think it is that Facebook won't moderate facts in its political ads? Yeah, so I cannot pretend to understand what goes on in Mark Zuckerberg's head. I don't really understand it. But my my guess would be that they don't want to be accountable um, and and to be attacked by both sides every day, which I am sure they would be based on the decisions they make about what are facts and what are not in a time where, frankly, truth is on the ballot in this election. Um, truth is something and facts are something that are uh, are being threatened and undermined every day by the president of the United States. And so I imagine that as they approach a fierce antitrust battle in the next year or so um, with the federal government, they want to appease both sides and stay out of that fight would be my guess. As you look at the digital landscape now, looking at specifically the Democratic candidates running for president, how successful do you think they have been thus far in using that platform more effectively than, say, Democrats did in 2016? What lessons you think they have picked up and learned? And are, do you think they are still falling behind the success of the Trump campaign? So Facebook and Facebook advertising is a different platform today than it was even in 2016 or 2018. Um, And the other thing I will say is that presidential elections and campaigns are really where innovation happens in politics on both sides, in both parties. And so we've been so heartened to see, because we are in such a competitive primary on the Democratic side, So much innovation, experimentation and creativity in terms of message strategies, content distribution strategies across all of the Democratic campaigns. You know, Bernie started obviously with an advantage because he ran in 2016 and he really pushed the envelope in terms of digital organizing then and now. You know, we're seeing Pete Buttigieg's campaign boost existing news posts, which is a practice we advocate for all the time because people want trusted information. So we're seeing the innovation happen. We're really excited about that. And I, again, I think it's born out of competition and necessity. So, you know, there's a there's a strong um, narrative and debate that I think our newsletter, for what it's worth, helped seed in some ways because we were really raising the alarm bells about the spending deficit between Democrats and Trump starting late last fall. Now, today, Democrats are outspending in aggregate Trump. Trump's campaign has spent over $35 million across Facebook and Google since the midterms. And now across the campaigns and outside groups, including ours at Acronym, Democrats are outspending Trump online, which means, you know, they've listened (laughs) and also that they really, more importantly, know where people are campaigns on the Democratic side understand that social media is also where the narrative is shaped that is reaching voters. And certainly um, the dominant narrative uh, spread and, and fueled by lies on the right and by Trump is reaching voters. And so we've got to meet people where they are, counter those lies, but more importantly, drive offensive narratives about what we stand for as Democrats in the stakes of this election. Tara McGowan, thanks so much for coming in and walking us through all this. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tara McGowan is the CEO and founder of Acronym.
Thanks for listening. This is Politics with Amy Walter from The Takeaway. We'll see you next week.